0: And now, here is your host with Reflections from the Heart.
1: Welcome to Reflections from the Heart. I'm your host, Jim O'Day, Executive Director of Integrity Restored. Today, I'm joined by Keith Nestor, Executive Director of Down to Earth Ministries, and Devin Schott, the Executive Director of Fathers of St. Joseph. Keith and Devin, welcome. Thanks for having us, Jim. We're glad to be with you. Uh, It's a blessing. Yeah. Uh, On on today's show, guys, we're going to be reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. So ladies and gentlemen, if you have your Bible or an app, turn to the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Before we get started, guys, let's invite the Holy Spirit in with an opening prayer. Keith, would you lead the prayer for us?
2: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord, we come to you today asking that as we study your word, that it would go forth from uh, these gospel writers, intentions into our hearts lord give us ears to hear what we would need to hear to grow closer to you we're thankful for the anticipation for the hope that we have in this advent season and we know that today as we dig into this gospel reading that your word will accomplish what it has purposed it will not return to you void so from from the holy spirit's power luke's pen to our ears we claim ourselves to be yours And we ask that you would work in this time, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
3: Amen.
1: So, uh, Devin, would you mind reading the gospel for us, brother?
3: Yeah. So, the gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 1, verses 26-38. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. the son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived the son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done unto me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, you, Lord 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 Jesus Christ. Christ. Wow. You know, very common uh, gospel. We've all heard it multiple times and in all kinds of iterations. And so sometimes I think we don't necessarily um, dig in and pay attention because we're used to it. The Christmas story. But one of the things that struck me, guys, is she was greatly troubled at what was said. I can't imagine. Right. Um, and, And oftentimes in our own life, we get greatly troubled and it's not even something as wild or as big as this. So what do you guys think about the greatly troubled line? Because for some reason this morning, that really stood out to me. Like Mary was a young woman. A normal woman going about her day and she gets this kind of message delivered to her.
2: Well, I think what strikes me is the fact that she was greatly troubled because I think sometimes we can, we think about the Blessed Virgin Mary and we, I think sometimes we don't feel like we can relate to her as much because we we tend to hone in on the full of grace part and what that all means. But we also have to remember too that she wasn't all knowing, she wasn't, um, completely aware of everything that was going to happen. So when she's approached by the angel Gabriel, she would react in probably the same way any of us would react. And I don't know about you, but if the angel Gabriel showed up to me, I would be greatly troubled too. But I think
3: for different reasons,
2: for <laughs> different reasons, exactly. Because I would be terrified, you know, and I think mm-hmm. she's just, she's motivated by her humility. You know, I think, I think what motivates her is the fact that why, why am I being approached by this incredible angel? You know, who am I? And I, th- I think that her humility combined with, with her, you know, humanity, I think is, is a uh, part of that.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, I remember listening, I was a listener of Moody Bible uh, radio and, a. And um, a preacher was actually commenting on this verse, he's Protestant, and he was saying, this proves that Mary was, she had sinned because she feared Mm. and um, she was troubled. And I remember after that, I was troubled when I heard that. And then I remember uh, coming upon Jesus's agony in the garden, and it said that he feared and that he was distressed. And I was like, okay, so what does that that mean? How can we be sinless? Or how can Jesus be sinless? How can Mary be sinless? How can we even not be in a state of sin and still fear? And that's exactly what you're saying is it's rooted in humility where we have a holy fear of God. We talk about holy fear. What does holy fear mean? That we're scared to death of the Lord, that He's going to blast us off the globe because we're just such sinners and He's going to punish us and destroy us? No. Holy fear is this filial fear. Filial just means a relationship between God the Father and us children. And so when we talk about a holy fear, what we're talking about is we are afraid that we could damage our relationship with God and we don't want to lose it. We don't want to hurt him in the sense of his, you know, now with Jesus, with his human nature, but we don't want to hurt that relationship. That's true holy fear. Servile fear is a fear of being punished. Mary didn't have that. Mary had a holy fear where she was concerned that perhaps she had done something you know, to have this angel come to right. Her. So, but she did, she did something. She was hoping. Amen. Amen.
1: I I, I think, I don't know how people are going to feel about this, but, but this other section of the, of the gospel is, <coughs> it's so sweet to me. It's so cute. Uh, and, and, and I think it's, it's, it's incredible how Mary uh, you know, she knows God's her father. And so she goes to him and she says to the angel, something very practical, which I think we need to do sometimes, like children. How can this be since I have had no relations with a man? She asks him. She says, this doesn't make sense. And I, and I think sometimes when we think about Mary, like, like Keith said earlier, we, we think she knew everything. She didn't. But she just asks him straight up, "How can this be, Lord? How can this be?" And sometimes I think we need to be that uh, innocent with God because we don't understand His plans. What What do you guys think about that line? That always makes me want to hug Mary. I mean, I want to hug Mary for oh, a yeah. lot of reasons, but
2: <laughs> but that
1: is so sweet to me.
3: Uh,
1: hmm.
2: Well, I think I think that. It is sweet, you know? I mean, we have to remember she's she's thrown off by this because she never would have put herself forth as being worthy of anything like this. That's part of her humility. She's not walking around going, "Hey, all right, I'm I'm all that." She she's you know, God doesn't always give us the full picture of his will for us ahead of time. And I don't think that before this, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. There's probably some saying out there that would say something otherwise. But but I don't think before this, Mary was clued into everything because of this text. I think after this happened, when she ponders all these things in her heart and she's with Jesus, you know, obviously her her uh, knowledge of things grows. But she had one focus up to this point. And I, th- I think it's a focus that we all need to share. Her one focus was being the handmaid of the Lord, serving the Lord. And notice that's not like a new thing for her. When she responds to what the angel says, she says, be it done unto me, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Not, well, I will be the handmaid of the Lord, or this is a new thing, but this is who I am. This is about her identity. And when your identity is that I belong to Jesus, I don't have to know everything before I can be completely obedient to His will. And I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to understand it. And it's okay if some of the things that God asks of me are going to freak me out. That's okay. Because God doesn't call us to things that are medium and boring and lame oftentimes. I mean, sometimes in our lives we do, but but there's going to be times if you really, truly offer yourself to the Lord, there will be moments in your life where He's going to call you to things that are going to scare you, things that are going to put you outside of what you would normally choose for yourself. And when that happens, you have to respond the way she responded. And I think that's what's so beautiful about it is she's, she's a young teenage girl. She's not some learned theologian with all of this um, experience. She's just, but, but that's, you know, when I think about Christ talks about faith, like a child, childlike faith, I I think that applies to Mary in this situation because she was in some ways, you know, not too far off from being a child but she certainly had child like faith. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, so um I mean this is just Luke juxtaposes her words and her response to Zechariah, right? Yeah. I remember Zechariah in the temple and the angel Gabriel comes with the message that his wife who is thought to be barren shall bear John the Baptist, he'll be sanctified by the Holy Ghost from the womb. And Zechariah says How can this be? Because I'm old in age. And then Gabriel's pretty upset with him and says, Fine, you doubt me, you doubt God, you're going to be mute. You're going to be mute until the time that this child's born, which is ironic because he's mute, Elizabeth hides, and John the Baptist speaks loudly and is in the desert publicly. It's so ironic, the juxtaposition. But anyway, the point, though, is I think that. Where Zachariah doubts, Mary has faith in her questioning because she's not real. Zachariah is like, how can this be? Because I'm old. You know, how am I going to do this? It's self-reliance. Mm. Whereas Mary says, how, how can this be? Because she says, I've made a, basically, you. if you read between the lines of text, she's made a virginal commitment to the Lord. Because she would just say, okay, if this is really going to happen, I understand. Right now I'm in the betrothal stage, the first stage of Jewish marriage after the waiting period there will be the psalmization. Joseph and I will live together, we'll have intercourse, and this child that will be produced will be the son of God, will be the one that you're announcing. That to- totally makes sense, Gabriel. But she doesn't She doesn't actually say what's in this text in the USCCB readings. She says, how can this be for I do not know man? Which actually means that I have made a commitment not to have intercourse with a man. I, I have a virginal vow to God. And she's saying, God, how are you going to be able to do this? Like, I don't understand because I've made this commitment to you. How will you do this? I I, I don't understand. Because she doesn't want God to think that somehow she's going to break that commitment she's made from the very beginning. So this is the innocence of Mary, is that Mary has made a virginal commitment to God. It's right there in the text. How can this be? For I'm not going to have relations with a man. I'm not going to do that. I've made this virginal commitment to God and that's where the angel gabriel says come on don't worry we've got this handled and so i love the fact that she has so much faith in god that he can do it he will do it and that's why at the end like you say behold the handmaid of the lord let it be done unto me according to thy will she never doubts she trusts the only thing she would doubt is does god think i'm going to betray my vow
2: yeah that's a great that's a great point you know that her vow is, again, that's part of her identity too. And I think that that shows that God had been preparing her. And I think He's been preparing each of us. And things that we step into in our lives at certain points in time that maybe we don't think is that big a deal, God will use those things as a preparation for what is coming. So sometimes you might say, well, you know, I'm going to join this particular men's group or this Bible study or whatever, or go to this parish and, and you might not at times go, well, maybe, or you might not know that there's really anything more than that, but God will is going to use you later in life based on the decisions that you make right now. So you have to always have that mindset of going, okay, there's nothing insignificant when it comes to, to our lives and to what God's calling us to do when we belong to Him. If we're pursuing our own interests, then just about everything is in, insignificant, But if we offer ourselves to the Lord, and I know this is interesting because it's kind of a juxtaposition to what I said earlier, that if you follow God, He's not going to just call you to some boring, lame existence. Well, that's true, but you may perceive that for some of the time. You may think that what you're living in is just a monotonous everyday life, but the reality is it's not. God is using even those simple things to prepare you for what He has for you later, but if we're always constantly questioning him about everything he wants us to do, and, and we're waiting until we make sense of it, and we're waiting until it seems okay to us, then we're never going to get to that point where God can drop that bomb on
1: us and really call us to be used for, for his purposes. That brings me exactly, great segue, that brings me exactly to the next thing that stands out for me uh, in this scripture. And, it, and it's just one line. May it be done to me according to your word. That should be all of our prayers, not just Mary's prayer two thousand years ago. Um, but that can be a really scary prayer. Let's be honest, right? You know, it's like it's like my favorite prayer, the Litany of Humility. Oh man, uh, I'm really asking right. for all these things. I hate that. <laughs> That's your favorite prayer. Yeah. I know, and and but but you know. How often in our everyday lives just the little things, the mundane things that we think nothing of, or they're just annoyances or whatever, change if we start praying, may it be done to me according to thy word. Wow. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh I, I just I, I love that. I, I love where this is all going because I think the point of all this when I hear you and Keith talk is what we're talking about is a new beginning. Okay. And if you look at the scriptural context, Luke, and I'm going to go deep for just like one minute, and then I'll pull out and show how practical this really is. So the beginning of this scripture passage, which is not included here, it says in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel came to Mary. Now, Luke, he's a typologist. He loves to paint pictures using Old Testament terminology. When a Hebrew or Jew would have heard six, they would have thought that would have evoked the creation account. Mm. And they would have thought man who is created on the sixth day with the animals, but yet meant for the seventh day, which is rest and peace and bliss with God. But Adam and Eve chose to remain in the sixth day with their animalistic disordered passions. No rebellion to God. The angel Gabriel comes to Mary in the sixth month, the symbol of a new creation in which so Adam, God draws forth woman from the man. Now God gives forth the man to the woman, the new Eve, and she is going to conceive. And where sin was conceived at the first beginning, now there is going to be grace and truth that is going to be conceived in this new beginning. Now here's the deal, how it gets practical. God wants to do or perform a new beginning in each and every one of us. But the devil, our friends, our families, even ourselves say that's too lofty of an ideal. And they say it's impossible. And they plague you with the past and say your sins, your actions, the people you hurt, all that defines you. And and the Lord says, no, I can I can write a new beginning in you if you wish right now. And St. Augustine says the key to the spiritual life is to begin again, begin again, begin again. And this is where Mary Faith comes in and she says, let it be done. Let this new beginning take place. Let salvation come to this world. I will do whatever I can to be a part of that. And I think the big message here is, so you look at the Nazareans, they love to define Jesus. When Jesus was opening up the scroll of Isaiah, they're like, is this not the carpenter's son? They're plaguing it with the past. They want to define him with who he was or who they thought he is, human opinion. And Jesus radically renounces that and says, I am the son of God. And Mary, behold the handmaid Lord, but yet all generations will call me blessed. People in Nazareth thought she was crazy if she said that to them.
0: Mm-hmm. But the
3: point is, is we're called to renounce that. Those are lies and we're called to step into the identity that God has for us. And that may mean that we need to chuck out people out of our life who are holding mm-hmm. us back. But the time is now. God wants to perform a new beginning in each and every one of us.
1: Amen. 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 That is awesome. Amen. Absolutely. And, and, and here's the thing, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we just have to say yes. And maybe we have to say yes every day. Maybe it's that kind of process. Doesn't matter. Just keep saying yes. And when's the last time, you raised a great point, when's the last time we really looked at ourselves as sons and daughters of a loving God? That's who we are. We are the sons and daughters of a loving God. It's it's really incredible.
3: If the if the saints allowed the people around them to restrain them in a box of their past, the church would have no future. Mm. We should never allow people to restrain us in the box of our past. God wants to do something right now. Yeah, and I love the the theme here is so, if you want to be great and do great things, you must be faithful to doing the things that aren't great with greatness. That's the key to the spiritual life. If you want to do great things someday, if the Lord, if you want the Lord to do great things through you, you must embrace the things that are not great and do them with greatness. And He who is faithful in small things, God will give him greater responsibilities.
2: Yeah, that's huge, and and that's you know you think about about mary she was given these incredible great things but we don't realize all of the small things that she was also given you know changing the diapers Mm -hmm. feeding jesus caring for his daily needs putting him to bed waking up like the monotonous things that that can to a lot of people you look at this you go wow what an incredible what an incredible privilege yes but it was also a lot of the day-to-day normal things too and she excelled
3: like listening to the Saint Joseph's dad jokes,
1: yeah. <laughs> and you know he was pulling them out. Oh yeah! Oh my goodness! Yeah, it, we forget yeah, that. I love that. that. We forget that the Holy Family was just that—a family um, with difficulties and struggles and fears and trepidation. Mm. They were. They were that. I mean. I can't imagine having to run in the middle of the night Mm. to protect my family. I mean, none of the three of us have had to ever do that. They had to do that. Great fear, I'm sure. Mm. But let it be Mm. done to me, according to your word, I think was the overarching attitude of the Holy family.
3: Yeah. Yeah. uh, I just received a quote today from, uh, Uh, friend. It was uh, from St. Benedict. I need to find this. It's a great quote. He uh, says something like, here, let's see. This is great. The history of Jesus is marked by all the scandals and infamies to be found among human beings. An utterly human history. The only four women named in Jesus's genealogy are all witnesses to human sinfulness. Neither Abraham nor Isaac nor Jacob is an ideal human being. David certainly is not. It is a somber history that leads to Jesus. It is not without its moments of light, its hopes and advances. But on the whole, it is a history of sin and failure. All this is a sign for us. It tells us that the incarnation of God does not result from an ascent on the part of the human race, but from the descent of God. So the point is, is that God, he doesn't depend on us to be perfect before he comes to us. He just expects us to try our best at the little things in life, even when we're sinning and failing, and he'll descend down to us, which is what's happening in this gospel.
1: Amen. Yeah, I I think we all forget that because we have this, uh, I think it's very common to have this kind of attitude that, well, God is with me when I'm being good, but when I'm being bad, he wants nothing to do with me. And nothing could be further from the truth. I think when we're struggling with sin, God wants to be with us even more. He wants to help us out of that condition.
3: Yeah. I mean, you just look at St. Peter. uh, He's a compelling example of this where, I mean, he blew it. He, I mean, he was the most courageous. He followed Jesus into Caiaphas' courtyard. He was right there with Jesus when he was being bludgeoned, you know, and beaten. And, uh, and yet, In a moment of weakness around a charcoal fire, he denies him thrice, right? And before handmaids, you know, and, um, but then Jesus, I love it. It's like spiritual deja vu. They're fishing in the Sea of Galilee and, and children, have you caught nothing? Nothing. John says, wait a minute. This is the Lord because they throw it over. He commands them to throw the the nets over the right side of the boat and they get this huge catch, Well, Peter, he swims ashore. He wants to be with Jesus alone. But by the time they arrive, it's with the boat together. But then Jesus gives him that opportunity around a charcoal fire. And he offers him three occasions to proclaim his love for Jesus. Jesus loves us. See, this is a good father. This is a good Jesus Christ, good son. A bad father only loves his children when his children do good. But a good father he loves his children the same when they do good or they do evil. He may be he may be delighted in them when they do good. He may be disappointed in them when they do evil. But he's always loved them. That's the love of Jesus Christ. That's the love of God the Father.
1: Amen, brother. Well, guys, this has been an incredible conversation. Uh, what a way to uh, kick off Christmas and bring the baby Jesus into our hearts by saying. The, the line that Mary said. May it be done to me according to your word. Let that become our daily prayer. Keith, Devin, Merry Christmas to you both. Blessings. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to find out more about our ministries and Integrity Restored, Down to Earth, the Rosary Crew, and Fathers of St. Joseph, please visit stewardshipmission.org. That's stewardshipmission.org. God bless your journey.
0: Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, please consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For more information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, and to learn about all of the family of ministries, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you've enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a tax-deductible donation by visiting stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of all of us at Stewardship, a mission of faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.